Support for Sponsor Talk and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Welcome to the Sponsor Talk Podcast, where we interview some of the leading minds in the world of sponsorship marketing and discover the various ways at how brands interact with properties within sports, film, music, the arts, you name it. I'm today's co-host, Avish Sood. You can follow me at Avish Sood on Twitter to engage with our Sponsor Talk community. And hopefully today you've learned something new about the industry and it keeps challenging you to think differently. Hey everyone. Today, we have two really special guests. We've got David Bornoff, Head of Brand Marketing at DoorDash, and Jerry Hoke, Executive Creative Director, Managing Director at the Martin Agency. So hopefully I didn't butcher the titles, but I'll leave you a few minutes. Um, Obviously, welcome to the show and really excited to have both of your perspectives come on, but I'd love to just start off by quick introductions for the both of you. So Jerry, why don't we start with you? Sure. I'm Jerry Hoke, uh, Executive Creative Director and Managing Director at the Martin Agency. Uh, we're located in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, are the advertising agency for DoorDash. David, over Great to you. Here. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I'm David Bornoff. I lead our consumer marketing team over here at DoorDash. Well, this is a conversation I've kind of had you know planned for a while, and I'm excited to finally do it. So, uh, appreciate you both joining. I think. This last year, specifically for DoorDash, has been quite the ride. So I'd love to just, you know, take a step back and, and hear from you guys. You know, what's the last year been like for the brand? Yeah, I think, uh, God, the last year has been crazy for everybody. DoorDash has been one of many uh, companies having to, you know, really think deeply about what our role is and how we contribute in society. Um, I think that you know, the time has been spent doing um, both work that our customers have been asking for and then really focused in on what our other audiences need, primarily our merchants and our dashers. So thinking about the past year as an opportunity for us to really lean into our mission, which is to empower local communities and find ways to increase opportunity for both the merchants and our dashers to earn. And, and what, like, um, when we think about objectives or, you know, when we think about the greater year and challenges, opportunities, anything uh, that sticks out, you know, in this last year for that? Yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy year, right? Like, everything <laughs> has, <For> sure. <laughs> everything sticks out and then everything kind of blends together. Um, I, th- You know, the, the interesting thing is, like, this year, though, as insane as it, as it has been, really fundamentally has just been an acceleration of our business. So while our attention and our focus needed to shift a little bit, the primary mission of DoorDash and what we were already doing didn't change. We've always, always, always from day one, viewed ourselves as a business that's meant to empower local economies. This is our founder story. Mm -hmm. The acceleration of that mission is the thing that changed, right? And, And having a partner like Martin Agency along with us on that journey was critical in helping us 
really understand from a communications perspective how we needed to show up to both be cognizant of like what's happening in culture and then how can we add value through unexpected places and i think like advertising happened to be one of those things that you know jerry and i talk about this a lot like we found opportunity within the making of advertising to add value to our audiences um and i think that that like you know obviously you want to create marketing and you want to create ads that drive like business objectives and goals for us but to be able to then pay back like through, through a value add um, to our merchant audiences and our dashers was incredibly important. I don't mm-hmm. know Jerry probably has a ton he could add on that. Yeah, I mean, I think from an agency standpoint, you know, the, the most important thing for DoorDash and all of our clients is really to show up, to keep showing up. And I think, right, especially right at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a, you know, we're all of a sudden working from home and trying to figure that out. And how do we enter the market and without being insensitive and, um, you know, our whole mantra at the agency is to fight invisibility. And when a lot of clients were going off the air, it's like, no, we got to get, we got to be on the air. We got to be putting stuff into the market. And DoorDash was our, the first client out of the gate that was a hundred percent on board with that. I think we were working from home that first Friday. I think we got a text from DoorDash on Saturday saying, Hey, we need to save the restaurant industry. Can you help us with that? Show us up on Monday. And we just, that just kicked off the trajectory for our agency. And I think the trajectory for the brand for this year, honestly, it was like, we're going to, we're going to go and we're going to make this about values. We're going to make this about the greater good. Uh, and, you know, of course, along the way, we're going to help DoorDash, but to David's point, how do we actually make a difference in, in, in the times that we were in? Uh, and it was incredibly exciting. I think our agency had already started to accelerate the way we work and how we work, but the pandemic just put into overdrive and, having DoorDash as a client who believed uh, the same beliefs we had really made all of it possible. And uh, it's, it's been an exciting ride for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, you're going to have to be careful here for like the, the love fest you're about to <laughs> we suffer through between market. Very rare. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love it. That means you guys have a good uh, agency client relationship, which uh, everyone strives for, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this year would have, uh, looked the same if we didn't have such a solid relationship. Yeah. If anything, it brings you closer together too. Right. So I I know on my side, like I work for the Clorox company Um, the last year, like you said, David, everything has changed. It's been accelerated. A lot of the trends we've seen um, continue to move forward and, and are coming faster, but, you know, creatively the, the work doesn't stop. And I think, you know, you, you both are a great example of, you know, when push comes to shove, like obviously, there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of challenge, but how do you battle it together, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny, the amount of time Jerry and I spend on Zoom calls now and text messaging, like <laughs> prior to this, this shift, it was like every once in a while, we'd have our, you know, the meeting where the, the gang flies out and- Yeah, super formal and- Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, totally. I think, um, some of the formalities like they they loosen up over time right so i think that's good to hear um you know when you, when you think about the on-demand delivery category it's getting really crowded right so you you look at the doordash brand and and you know obviously david you've talked to this um it's about empowering local communities like how do you bring that vision to life of or that mission to life and how do you make this unique 
right? So like, what do you, what kind of steps are you taking as you think about Jerry from the, from the advertising standpoint, like, what are you doing to elevate the brand? Um, and David, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Jerry. Yeah. I, I think like the, the first thing I'll say, and it's really not lip service is we're customer obsessed. Like we don't look at the competition and think about what they're doing. Um, I personally like as a consumer of ads, I want to see the, the category grow. I want to see the folks within the category creating great work. I want to be challenged. I want our agency to be challenged. I think that like the world would look incredibly boring if nobody was pushing each other to make better work. Cause also I think like at the end, it like forces our business to make enhancements for the customer experience be that on the merchant side, the dasher side, or the consumer. Mm -hmm. So for us, like the more crowded it gets is actually an opportunity to do better work and create meaningful connections with our consumers. I mean, and that's like really what my job is. It's what Jerry's job is. I think like from a creativity perspective, we see creative as, you know, a, a way to do two things. One is connect with our audiences in a meaningful way. So finding like the deepest, richest insights and landing on, on breakthrough work, things that to like Martin's mission, fight against invisibility. Um, I think it's also a way to kind of do the unexpected, right? So like give consumers in what could be seen as a commoditized space an opportunity to actually like connect with our brand in a way that's like a little bit deeper, that forms a bond, that forms a relationship. So I love that like there's, there exists an opportunity to like force us to have to have those conversations and, and look at the work through a more critical lens to say like, how does this stand out? Like, does this break through? And, and it wouldn't really be as important if if there was nobody else in the category, right? Like you're a category one, you're going to stand out because you're the only one. And Jerry, how do you follow up with that? Cause you hear that from the client and then like, you know, obviously there's a lot of work to, to make sure that you're in a cluttered space, standing out and doing great work. So how do you take that? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the other thing about the category, at, at least, you know, a year or two years ago, before we started working with DoorDash, there was just a lot of promotions-based work. It's like, okay, we got to drive, we got to drive orders, you know? And uh, I think what's been amazing about DoorDash is we do that work, but then we also have a lot of work that is about values and about lifting this brand up and creating pieces of entertainment and content that aren't necessarily even about DoorDash, but are about the people we serve I can count on maybe one hand the amount of times a client has ever said, like, make less of, this isn't about us. Like, take our logo out of this thing. I don't even want to see our logo in this. And, um, you know, one of the first ideas we had during the pandemic was to start actually bringing restaurants back. You know, like, it's one thing to advertise that restaurants are open, but like, how can we actually take some of these restaurants that have closed their doors and bring them back? Uh, and we did that with... Um, a restaurant in Chicago called Crazy Hog. And when we were filming this thing and we we're putting edits together, you know, obviously there was a role for DoorDash in that film, but our feedback from, from David and Kofi was, no, take us, this isn't our story. This is Chicago's story. This is Crazy Hog's story. DoorDash is facilitating it, but this isn't an ad for DoorDash. And there aren't many clients that are brave enough to create content that is pure content. 
you know, and, and I think that really elevates the brand and uh, it makes me proud of the work we do. And I think the other thing is just because we, we came out of the gate hot and we started making things in a new world of production where all of a sudden we didn't have the same tools we had before. Um, and, you know, I think the first couple of things we made together, you look back on it, you're like, oh man, we just kind of like pulled together scraps of metal off the ground and put them together into a spot. Uh, but by the end of the pandemic, we got really good at production again and figured out new ways of working and were able to elevate the craft and, and able to do that because we, we didn't wait. We didn't sit around on our hands for three or six months uh, and get behind the eight ball. So now you can't even tell that the work was made under the pandemic restrictions that, you know, so many agencies are facing. You know, Jerry, on that note, you know, when we talk about the creative process, Oh, take me through the, the recent Super Bowl ad. Like, you know, when you think about the briefing process to the lead times and, and how you build out something like that, um, you know, just take us through what that looked like and then how you incorporated the feedback from David and, and what the challenges and opportunities were around that, that recent ad. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for a lot of the work during the pandemic, it's been just reacting to what's happening and just moving super quick, you know, coming up with ideas in three or four days, producing in a week and getting things on air. I think the, um, the work that led to the Super Bowl was a little bit more of a traditional timeline. You know, I think we were, we were getting back to, to normal paces there for a little while. So, you know, we had a few weeks to, to do some strategy. We had a, a few weeks for creative and then uh, our presentation. And I think what was really amazing about the Super Bowl spot was it wasn't originally intended to be, you know, it wasn't a Super Bowl brief. It was just, we wanted to create really great work for the new, you know, the new campaign and DoorDash had new news to talk about, you know, they're way more than just food delivery. And they really wanted to say, Hey, we, we deliver a lot more from your neighborhood than just, than just food. And, and um, our team went back and, like how, how can we get into the neighborhood, right? And they, and, and they found and remembered the track from Sesame Street. And all it took was showing David and Kofi the track from Sesame Street and say, hey, we're gonna, we, we wanna partner with Sesame and use this track and, and reimagine this whole thing. So, so I, wanna, I wanna pause there for a second. David, when you got that feedback or that first client presentation, you heard about Sesame Street, like what was the reaction like when you went through that? Yeah. Um... <laughs> I think it was like, we took like a one second beat and said, go. Um, Love it. <laughs> it really didn't take a lot of time to understand. Like, and I think that's, that's probably like a thing to touch on a little bit. Like our business moves fast, right? Like we make decisions and execute like within the same day. So with Martin, and I think it probably was an adjustment for like them and for us at first was just like getting to that place of like, you might share something. We might say go. And we literally mean go like there isn't the like, all right, well, you like the thing, but then we got to do some adjustments. Like, no, no, let's actually just go make that thing right now. Um, Sesame. I think there was like a couple ideas that had been presented along, like with that brief, the, and actually like, if I'm remembering correctly, Jerry, keep me honest. Like Sesame was like at the end, they're like, we actually want to share one more with you that might be a little like out there and like you can't set up a conversation like that without us probably saying like well then do that one um, whatever the thing is going to be because you know it's like probably the the one that everyone's like <laughs> most excited about yeah um, yeah but like jerry said you know sesame was not that that campaign was never intended it wasn't made for the super bowl right so 
that I think is a testament to like the idea and the platform that they landed on, that it was so powerful. And so I think like when it was created, it was like, there is no other time that we could launch this other than on the Super Bowl. Like this needs that, that many eyeballs. Cause it's just so great. So that was also like, uh, I think a fun moment to get to say like, wow, look at the, like, look at what happens when you make great work. And the entire business was aligned after seeing it for the first time that like, this is the place we need to invest because this thing is that wonderful. Oh, no, sorry, Jerry. Uh, one second. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I feel like when I hear that and I wasn't on the, obviously the side that you're, you're working on building it, you know, when you partner with Sesame street and you call it, it's so dope that we had to buy a super bowl commercial to make sure enough eyeballs get on it. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, but I would never picture that, but it's, uh, it's a testament to the creative process and, and belief in the agency. So Jerry, I'd love to hear your perspective on all of that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I think David mentioned it was the third idea we presented in the deck. The first two ideas were on budget (laughs) (laughs) and it says we clearly wasn't. And, um, you know, I think a lot of clients, you would be terrified to bring in something that was kind of, um, that ambitious, um, but we had been kind of used to DoorDash, you know, willing to take swings before. And um, so I wasn't afraid to present it at all. And to David's credit, you know, the minute he saw the Sesame Street idea, he's like, yeah, that's the one we're doing that. And then, and then Kofi was like, yeah, we're doing that. And then Sesame Street's like, we're in. And Debbie Diggs is, I love it, you know, and Michelle Gondry, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. And it was, I've never worked on anything in my career where every step of the process was like, how do we do this? Let's do this. And down to, you know, dropping a 60 second Super Bowl spot. Um, so it was, it was, I think that an amazing inflection point in our relationship um, with, with DoorDash, I think probably accelerated by COVID. Um, I think we got so much closer and we're willing to take much bigger chances throughout the year because we just trusted each other and um, you know, um, how, how long was that process, by the way? So you talked about accelerated timelines, but from that presentation to actually being on air, what was the, what was the timeline there? It was pretty quick. Um, I think that was probably, it was a Q4 brief, right? So we were probably coming up with that work in October, November. I think we shot pretty close to Thanksgiving, actually. So Okay, so it sounds like early two- November until on air in February. Yeah, two, two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot, obviously a lot to work out with, you know, with Sesame and, and you know, getting all the, the contracts and the right characters and, you know, all of that stuff. And then anytime you're working with celebrities, it takes a little bit longer, as, as you know. So Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah. Especially yeah. when they're like Big Bird. and <laughs> These aren't regular <laughs> celebrities. These, these are elevated celebrities. So I think elevated, uh, you're right. Foot. Well, some of the stories were like incredible, right? Like there's rules of how you can engage with like Big Bird. Like what can Big Bird do when he's crossing the street? Like there are so many things that aren't amazing. It was it was Cookie Monster's <laughs> birthday on set. It was, we sang Happy yeah. Birthday Cookie Monster on set in New York. And it was like a hundred like 40 to 50 year old like creative people, you know, producing this thing, singing to a puppet and a puppeteer. And it was uh, the, the amount of childlikeness that went into the production was, was so much fun. And, um, you know, working with 
Michelle Gondry was also a yeah, dream come true for me. So, uh, yeah. If, if we're, if we're talking career highlights, I think uh, singing happy birthday to cookie monster is, is up there for sure. Pretty high up there. <laughs> so, so this is a partnerships podcast. I feel like this is a nice segue into your, your partnerships with big bird over to the NBA and WNBA. So, you know, recent partnership announcement, David, can you take me through like how you came to the lens of we were, we're going to partner with the NBA and the WNBA and, and, and why that was? We assess any of our partnerships through the lens of like what's right for the business, both from an investment standpoint against how it's going to perform, but also as a investment in, in our brand and particularly around like our mission and our values. And we look for partners who have shared equity in that, right? So when we start to evaluate brands, leagues, franchises, and go through this sort of analysis of like who makes sense. Um, we've got a sort of formal process, a formal way of thinking about that, but also like it's a conversation, right? So understanding that like, you know, we went into the NBA deal thinking about like, well, first knowing that the sports audience is huge for us, that, you know, every sports viewing occasion is an eating occasion or a delivery occasion. Um, but then thinking like, well, that's true, but does the partner who we're going to talk to also care about the things we care about, like diversity, community, giving back, really like the things that are core to our value set. And so the NBA was a clear um, partner in that sense. And it became incredibly interesting, the kind of work that we could do together, both from a you know, creative new customer perspective, but also from a social impact perspective. Um, the fact that WNBA was a part of that, tremendously important for us. We launched a new NBA campaign a couple, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And as we were like bringing it to life, the conversation was, you know, who are we going to feature from a player perspective? The fact that we had WNBA allowed us to actually put Shanae into the leading role of this commercial, which, you know, we're putting a WNBA star into an NBA commercial um, on the surface, somewhat like less obvious, right? But again, a brand like DoorDash that cares about the things we care about and then having a partner like the WNBA allowed us to do that. And then Jerry, from your standpoint, when we think about that ad that was released with Sinead, it was probably one of the first ads that featured a WNBA star alone um, mm -hmm. as like the, the creative endorser uh, in a long time. So like, I'd love to know from your, your process, you know, how'd you go about building that ad and, and what, was, uh, what was it like? The, one of the basic things about DoorDash is they also have an incredible in-house creative team who, uh, you know, we do a lot of the work but so does the in-house team and, and Mariota, the new creative director had led the charge on that. So I, I could pass it back over to David if he can speak through Mariota, but yeah, we, um, we would like to work on some of uh, DoorDash's NBA and WNBA initiatives if they give us a project or two. So but I caused it, I caused it, I'll, I'll backpedal a little bit. So David, question was framed for you. Take me through, you know, Shanae, uh, that, that whole process of bringing that campaign to life. Yeah, yeah, you know, again, like the same way that we 
arrived at that Sesame Super Bowl thing in about zero seconds flat. Like the second we started talking about casting for Shanae, it was like, or for, for the commercial itself, like the alignment around, and it wasn't Shanae specifically, but the alignment around using a WNBA player, like five different people came to that conclusion without saying it out loud, right? Like it literally was, and, and I think this is like probably because we've started to build this muscle internally of like seeing the world through the lens of how do all things we do contribute, right? To an equitable sort of society that, and I'm not kidding, like people from different teams, we're all coming to the same conclusion, which is like, oh, well, the obvious thing for DoorDash to do is lean into a WNBA player, lean into somebody who otherwise would not have access to this type of opportunity. Um, so, you know, we started then going down the roster of like, who are those players and, and who, who's the one that makes the most sense for this specific commercial. Jerry, you also made an NBA commercial for us, by the way, the last one. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. But also, so like part of the Shanae thing was, was also we, we, you know, speaking of like audiences and, and things that we care about, like we have a huge push to empower, um, you know, not just like people of color, but women entrepreneurs, small business owners, this lined up with our um, Women's History Month push. So as part of that, we had a campaign called Made by Women. Janae fit into that at the same time. And, and I don't want to pivot to the other one yet, but we also announced a sponsorship of Angel City Football Club. That was, you know, a part of this overall strategy to really like focus a light on women broadly um, and specifically women athletes as part of our overall sports strategy. Yeah. And, and I think through this conversation, what I'm really learning is like, obviously very clearly a values-based organization that is driving and utilizing partnerships as a way to extend that. Right. And I think, you know, all of the challenges we see in society, whether it be, you know, gender equity or racial equity or, or anything really, um, you're looking at it one step ahead and thinking, well, can our creative serve a role or can we serve a role in helping change that? And I think that's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very positive thing to hear from, you know, another marketer saying that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a, a equally unfortunate that like these things aren't just readily obvious for everybody. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like for us, we do the work and it isn't like, it isn't meant to be groundbreaking. It's meant to just be like fair and just and the way that it should be. Okay. Let's, let's go into something new. So DoorDash, NASCAR, I think this is a big one I wanted to cover. Um, you know, your teams recently launched, recently, uh, the Dash to the Polls campaign partnered with Bubba Wallace to kind of bring attention to people voting. So tell us about that partnership and how the endorsement deal came with uh, Bubba specifically. Yeah, so I'll, I'll cover the Bubba part. Jerry was, you know, the, the brains behind bringing Dash to the Polls forward into the world. Um, with Bubba, it was really a, a just magical moment. And I think like a tragically magical moment um, last year when, you know, Bubba stood up and frankly said enough is enough. 
raised his hand and said, like, within this sport that I participate in, I'm going to take a strong stance. Uh, this is pre 2311, pre Michael Jordan, pre anything that we see happening like this season in NASCAR with Bubba now driving for a, a large team. We, you know, we're, we're sort of catching the, the tail end of this moment with Bubba sort of in media, um, really coming to the fore as a figure who was standing up against like inequality and saw an opportunity as, you know, a brand that's continually looking for places to align ourselves, right. With like shared value systems, saw in Bubba a partner who really was doing something that we could stand behind and support. So we had a conversation with Bubba's management at the time, like, you know, this was a, uh, I think a great opportunity for both Bubba and for us, we had been on the peripheral sort of looking at NASCAR for a while and really like couldn't rationalize our way into a league partnership until Bubba um, became sort of the thing that allowed us to say, here's how we can approach NASCAR authentically from the things that we care about. So signed a deal with Bubba. He has been an invaluable asset and, and partner to us. Um, Jerry can, can share how we then incorporated Bubba into Dash to the Poles. Yeah. I mean, I think that with Dash to the Poles, we knew early on, you know, with the election season that there were going to be barriers to, to voting, you know, and particularly in, in some of the communities that are underrepresented and, you know, with every flavor welcome is our campaign. We knew that we needed to do something to get into those communities and make sure that they saw that DoorDash was, was there and we were, we were supporting and if we could remove hunger as a barrier to, to standing in line for hours at the polls, we were going to do that. So I think that's where the core of it started. It's like, okay, how do we, how do we get food to people? Simple as that. How do we get food from those communities to them? How do we, you know, get more recognition for, for some of these local merchants that were um, so vital to the communities? And then how do we how do we draw attention to that? You know, and, and Bubba was an amazing way to to draw eyeballs into that um, into that initiative and to to really connect with people who are are waiting for the vote. Love it, and and I know David, you mentioned um, it kind of opened this door to talk about NASCAR in this authentic light that covers you know your values as an organization and and how you want to approach that league. You know. Was it afterwards that you, you actually built the official partnership with NASCAR or did you have, yeah. So how did that come about? Was that through Bubba? Was that, um, you know, something you've been planning for a little while as well? Yeah. So like I said, we've been looking at NASCAR on the peripheral, hadn't really understood how we could participate in a partnership with NASCAR that made sense for us. Once we formalized the deal with Bubba, mm -hmm. we started engaging NASCAR, but through the like principles of, and the conversation was around how can we play a role in diversification, right? Like diversity mm -hmm. right? within, uh, how could we play a role to help like further their mission around diversity and do that in a way that like wasn't lip service, right? It was material. So Bubba's leading and, and some of this stuff is in development, but it's very involved in creating a more equitable, um, sort of 
culture within NASCAR and, and we're doing what we can to support his efforts and NASCAR's. Yeah, I love it. So let, let's, let's take a pause there for a second. I think, um, you know, for anyone that's listening to this podcast, we have a lot of people that work on the sports side. Um, it sounds like, you know, if a sports property is looking to align with a brand like DoorDash, you know, focus on the values, focus on all these elements, because it seems that all the endorsement deals you're doing have your values rooted into why you partnered with a certain organization. So is there any advice you have for anyone listening that, you know, may look um, at an opportunity to partner with DoorDash? Like, what is it that you guys look for out of that partnership? Yeah, hopefully the, the sort of red thread is clear here, right? <laughs> it's clear to me. I, I hope it's clear to everyone listening. Yeah, I mean, we we fundamentally make decisions based on on our values and turn away opportunities that like run counter to it. Um, I don't personally care how large of an opportunity something might look like on the surface as like a, a you know across TAM or some other like customer metric that the business should care about. Um, if it doesn't align with the things that we need to think about um, from, from like our value set and our mission. And that's really like it. Like we, we draw a pretty like clear line in the sand around like the things we will and won't touch and have backed out of relationships when they run counter to the things that we care about. And, and you know what, like listening to it makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, it sometimes isn't that common. A lot of a lot of brands are focusing on the metrics first. You know, where the, where does the reach? Where is the audience? Like those elements are important. But at the same time, values is really driving a lot of that decision making. Which sounds yeah. Um, and I think like more and more brands are increasingly caring about these things, right? Like you oh for sure they are. If yeah. you want to meet your customers where they are, like you really don't have a choice anymore. And mm -hmm. we want to be able to like say. These are the things we care about and here are the receipts to prove it mm -hmm. so that it transcends this notion of like, you're doing this thing for some sort of like optic play or, you know, lip service. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So we, we talked about big bird. We talked about <laughs> WNBA uh, endorsement deal and, and with Shanae and, and the, the campaign there um, we went over to NASCAR, the angel city FC, so I think one of the last things I want to talk about is actually outside of the sports space, which is, uh, you know, some work you did with Eddie Huang. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was, if anyone doesn't know, Eddie Huang is the, the famed chef, the author of Fresh the Boat, and you hosted the All-American Thanksgiving. So this was a little while ago, but you basically had 15 strangers join in, in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, Eddie shared details about his Taiwanese, Chinese, American heritage. Um, and, and what they do for Thanksgiving. So, you know, things like this, you know, how did that spark? How did, how was that a part of the initiatives you were running? And so I'd love to learn more about this. Yeah, I mean, I think really early on, we established the, the brand line, Every Flavor Welcome. And, and early in our relationship that, you know, those three words kind of drove everything we did. And, you know, when we started looking towards events happening throughout the year, you know, we, okay, so we want to do something for Thanksgiving. How do we bring every flavor welcome to Thanksgiving? You know, you close your eyes and picture what Thanksgiving is. And for a lot of people, it's pretty cookie cutter, mm. right? Mm -hmm. It's the turkey, it's the mashed potatoes, it's, it's the stuffing and, and, you know, and falling asleep on the couch. But, um, you know, the country is incredibly diverse and there's a lot of people celebrating much different 
you know, Thanksgivings than, than what you kind of, you know, typically think about. So how, how do we, how do we make that point? Like, how do we expose people to, to new ideas and, and to new foods and to new people on Thanksgiving? And, um, you know, Eddie was the perfect person to pair up with that and yeah, to do that. And, uh, it was a really powerful film. It was really fun watching people from different walks of life, sit down together on such an important holiday and, uh, and try something different and learn about something different. You know, as I think, as I look back at this whole conversation, there's a lot I've absorbed. Um, and I hope everyone listening has, has taken away something, but the idea of obviously being a values led organization, uh, you know, having close relationships between the Martin agency yourselves as the client, um, and, and bringing and challenging yourself to do good work. Right. So I think the industry as a whole and, and all of us as marketers are looking at it to say, how can we make an impact? And although we have these business metrics, we also have all these additional elements that we can involve in the creative process. And, and you're both examples of how that can come to life. So I appreciate the time. I appreciate you jumping on and we had a lot of fun today. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was great. As always, thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow us at Sponsor Talk on Twitter and the sponsorship space on LinkedIn to join and engage with our community. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and have a great day.